Hello, Bibliophores. You're listening to The Bookworm on FabRadioInternational.com in association with Starburst magazine. We always show that's all about the books, all about the books, all about the books. And I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... I'm sorry, I just wanted to go, no, no trouble. <laughs> and this is Nympha Hayes. Happy Sunday, everyone. So, coming up on the show, I will be talking about Chicks Dig Gaming... Yay, we do! <laughs> and I'll be reviewing the manga version of Beautiful Creatures. Uh, and our special guest is Cecil Baldwin from Ooh. Welcome to Night Vale. But coming up next, the book news. That, that was the owl mail appearing. Owl mail! We, it, what is this wonderful this is thing? going to be the one server <gasps> I really needed a microphone. Oh it? my God! <laughs> there are things in here! So we've received a box from the lovely people at Writer's Crate. Um, and it's a box full of things. This makes fantastic radio, I'm sure. Um, so and that's one of my favourite quotes. So what's the quote? <gasps> uh, it's Ernest Hemingway. There is nothing to writing. All you have to do is sit down at a typewriter and bleed. So just to describe it for the listener, it's very dramatic. It's very Ernest Hemingway. It's a, it's a cardboard box with writer crate written on it. Oh and God. we thought, this is unusual. Maybe it's a midget. Maybe it's a small elf writer. Oh! Oh and my it, god, this is so awesome! And then we've got lots and lots of packing material. And it's an Italian people! Inchiostro <laughs> stilo grafico! Do you, want to, do you want to actually describe what you've just opened? Oh, it, it, it's a quill and ink, and there's, there's a. There's, oh, it's so pretty! And it's black, and on the ink, there's a little tiny inkwell attached on the side um, in like a silvery. Um, thing and, and it's so pretty. So what does it actually say? Because it's also in English, but what does oh, it say in Italian? Oh, inkiostro stylografico. It's it's uh, stylographic ink. Right. So writer's ink. Pretty much. <laughs> and so what what else is in it? What's that thing? There's there's things. There's another thing. Oh my god! What is this? Oh, it's a little book. Oh, it's so pretty. That's a tiny leather-bound notebook. Yes, it's a tiny leather-bound um, book that I really want now. <laughs> Maybe. So it's, it's okay. This is like like every writer's dream, you know. Write writing implements are go go, and they're so pretty. So that it's that's a back pocket size yes. little notebook, oh. um, and that's the 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 rattly of the paper is great for radio. Um, it's it's on that kind of would you say hand handmade paper style? Yeah, it's it's very sort of um, old fashioned. Pretty, um, so pretty. Really nice to write on, but you wouldn't want to find it in the toilet. I would say, it, because it's it's obviously ink paper as opposed to, you know, modern. I mean, you can write with normal pen, I'm sure, but it's one of those papers that will, will sort of, that the ink blot. will blot and 
Yeah. What, what's, in the, what's in the little envelope? Writing maps. Oh, that's it's dangerous to go alone. Take these. Creative writing prompts and story ideas. This is so awesome. It's little cards. The 16 cards. Oh, so pretty. So things that grow. Write about nature in your neighbourhood. Things that grow through the cracks in the pavement, in people's gardens, on their windowsills. If you look on the other side of the little postcardy thing, so this is a box of like bijou postcards. Yes. And on one side there is a picture. There's a picture of a little plant that grows to be a tiny tree, and then a big strong tree, and then the prompt is things that grow. Uh, oh, and, this and, is so pretty. And they're all sort of like that. So oh. there's one about writers' spaces. I think there's. Write the story of your bed, how you came to own it. So this isn't really IKEA. IKEA. It's pretty much pretty much how our outer space exists is due to due yes, to. So, oh, these are so cool. So, so this is less so much news and more. It's a box of stuff that got sent to us by writer create. Because they're awesome, obviously. And they're a, they're a subscription box because the future is subscription boxes. But I kind of I like the idea of a subscription box that turns up at your house and says, "Are you still writing?" It's like it's like hiring someone to come around and saying, "Excuse me." It's your own personal um, assistant, isn't it? There's a, there's a Here's little... the things you will need. Here's things to help. And there's a badge. <gasps> there's a badge that says writer on it. I know that it doesn't say aspiring writer. It just says writer. Cause no, forget there this is, is no such thing as an aspire writer. You're either a writer or you're not. Exactly. There's also a little um, piece of paper for a, an online writing course. Oh, that's awesome. So Always useful. The, the, those things tend to, tend to appear. Oh, there's loads of little thingies. What is this? That's from the, uh, the, oh, from and the pen. Is this? Oh, it's made in Italy. Oh, no wonder it's so awesome. <laughs> All the best things are. <clears throat> Did I ever mention I'm Italian? <laughs> uh, this article is completely guaranteed for the handwork. All the wood, glass and pewter parts are produced in the best workrooms of Italy. It's saying hello to me. Okay, stop it. You're too and we'll ask people to name the bookworm Owl and give him a really cool name. So, so, so we have book news as we well. We do as have book news. news. Uh, and not and just about Writer Crate, which is awesome. Publishers of the world-famous comic strip Dennis the Menace have taken control of a Bino website from a Norfolk businessman. That that astounds me that someone would sit there and think, I will I will register the Beano comic, it's the Beano.co.uk, and not expect someone else, uh, not expect the people who own the Beano to, to object. That's just daft. Didn't somebody do something similar with Google? Yeah, and didn't, don't people try and do that with the, like, the Windows software as well? <laughs> um, Patrick Ness to write spin-off Doctor Who. Yeah, you might you might already know this because you might have you know, seen the news uh, recently, but Patrick Ness, who writes children's uh, writes children's writes young adult adventure novels and writes all sorts of really cool stuff, uh, is writing class for Doctor Who. This is not, I mean, this is not the first time they've they've taken, you know, experienced writers and put them in charge of doing Doctor Who spin-off stuff. Um, well, I'm kind of hoping that it's going to be as good as Sarah Jane Adventures mm. and um, much better than Torchwood. I, I still, I'm still kind of hoping for for. Or the the Victorian adventures of um, um, uh, lesbian, lesbian. yes yes the, the, oh, I'm, I'm kind of still the hanging on the Paternoster Gang that's the yes. one I I really want them to relaunch Torchwood without Jack because I like the idea of a spy a spy organization within the Doctor Who world but Jack. 
<laughs> but, but Jack! I don't want them to get, because they've got this habit of, because, you know, we've got Patrick Ness here who's doing, who's you know, a writer of books, uh, and he's writing spin-off stuff. They got Sarah Pinborough to write a Torchwood novel a while ago, mm. and she's written for TV before, and she's written movies before as well. Could you imagine Sarah Pinborough, Torchwood? Because it would be sexy, and it would be dark, mm. and it would go in places that you wouldn't expect it to, Ooh. and it would be very sci-fi. I mean, you know, we, Sarah Pinborough is the woman who um, who rewrote Snow White in the sauciest way possible. <laughs> um, yes, she did. She's also um, guest of honour at the... Um, guest of honour at Mancunicum next year. At Mancunicum next year. Yes, indeed she is. Um, you should totally sign up for Mancunicum as well, because that's going to be amazing. It is. If you're definitely if you're in Manchester, and if definitely if you're in the UK, uh, Twilight Author says that her new book is not a real book. Critics point out that neither of the series. Uh, no, no, no. That's just mean. <laughs> that is just mean. There is no such thing as not a real book. It's it's it's, it's a book. You can't you can't turn around and say it's not a real book. That's a very silly thing to say. So, so what is it? Because I mean, I've 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 heard all the buzz, but I've I've kind of been in a different world lately. So I'm. Uh, I'm, you, I'm not up to date. With you've it. been on adventures across the multiverse. Haven't I you? have been on a, in, in adventures in. in um, I can't believe it's not Sunnydale, California. But um, anyway, I'll talk about that at some point. <laughs> there, so. um, yes, Twilight Offer says new book is not a real book. It's, it's apparently a gender swapped version of the Twilight book as a part of anniversary thing. Okay. Um, and there's been lots of people saying she's kind of swapped the. She swapped the, the, the names round and she's not really done much else. Yeah, Bo and Edith. So Edward, Edith, Bo, Bella. Hmm. But I, I, don't, I don't understand how that's going to... Is it a short story? Is it a full No, it's a full book. book. It's a full book with the, the gender swap. So it's the same story, just instead of being the the half-depressed um, girl that doesn't have much to say at first, it's a half-depressed boy that doesn't have much to say at first. And the boy's, um, cru- the boy, the boy's crushes are heteronormative rather than... So, so. The, 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 so the boy falls in love with this mysterious girl that turns out to be a, a vampire. So it's so references to um, pop stars and celebrities that Bella fancied have been changed, okay. for example. So, so she's not just on a search for place. But she's done a light, like a like a re-edit. Right, but okay. It's, but it's pretty much the same story. Okay. Apparently. I I've mean, not I, read I'm curious, either. simply because I think gender swapping is always fun. Um, I just hope that instead of just being a, like you say, a certain replace, it's an actual edit that takes into consideration that obviously, you know, mentally that would be a different, slightly different story. Well volunteered, Nenfi. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm totally reading it, and and and, <laughs> and you'll be hearing about this soon. Uh, Oxford-based genre publishers Abaddon are to release three new novellas produced by authors who sent in stories for Abaddon's open submissions month. Mm. Talking about writer crits and uh, opportunities to write, mm. uh, Abaddon do a, a regular sub- open submissions window. It's currently closed, but the the fruit of those uh, that open submissions window uh, are available. Uh, Rebellion are also better known to some of you as 2000 AD. Abaddon is part of the Rebellion Publishing Group. Mm. 2000 AD or the, the the big name in that collection. Um, so we've got we've got two n- novellas set in their established worlds. The thing that Abaddon does is Abaddon establishes a world so it's like, you know, like the Star Wars franchise but they've made their own. Yeah. So Tomb of the Dead is a, their zombie franchise for example. So there's a, there's a new one for Tomb of the De- Dead called The Lazarus Conundrum and there's a new one for Gods and Monsters called Cannibal Chef. 
It sounds amazing. And, uh, Rupert Wong, Cannibal Chef. Rupert Wong, Cannibal Chef. That like sounds Sandra awesome. Carr. It does really sound. The, the cover is a, a box of noodles with an eyeball in it. Yeah. Uh, I should never ju- judge a book by by its cover, but I just have, and that looks great. Uh, oh, this looks sounds really good. Colin Sinclair has written Midnight in the Garden Center of Good and Evil, <laughs> which launches the Invaders from Beyond franchise in its comically dark science fiction setting. Uh, David Thomas Moore said the response was terrific and, and the quality of submissions was even higher than in 2012. Um, so uh, congratulations to everyone who got through that process. It's, uh, it, it's very hard to get through the various uh, publishing gatekeepers. And congratulations to you all. If you're still looking for an opportunity, we would like to remind you all that the Angry Robot will open their submissions window from December till January. You can find out more by going on to the Angry Robot website, and we recommend you do, so you can find out more about the sort of thing that they do. Mm-hmm. But it's worth pointing out that Angry Robot have had various award-winning types who've worked for them, who've started, gone through the submissions window, and then ended up becoming, you know, really, really well-regarded writers. So, you know, if you if you think you've got the chops, or you just want to, you know, go through your first submissions process then you should absolutely do so. All the links to this sort of thing, all the links to stuff like Writer Create and Angry Robot and Rebellion and all the rest of it can be found on our social media. You can find that on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr. We're also on Mixcloud. Uh, we are at Radio Bookworm, um, or forward slash Radio Bookworm. You can find us using the words Radio Bookworm. You can also find us on the Starburst Magazine website uh, and you can find us on their iTunes section and on their podcasting Subscribe. sections. Subscribe and also talk to us because we're lonely. Or at least send us a message by owl because the owl is incredibly cute and needs a name. We'll be back after these messages. This is Fab Radio International. So regular listeners will know that I'm at the magazine called Starburst which is also part of Fab Radio's, part of Fab Radio, well, Fab Radio and Starburst work together, and it's also the Bookworm is in association with Starburst magazine. One of the hats that I wear when I'm doing Starburst things is I write a column called Roll for Damage. And Roll for Damage is all about gaming, but it's all about tabletop gaming, because mm. someone else does a, a column on video games. So I get very excited when it comes to, you know, books about gaming. And there's lots of books that are for playing games, and there's lots of gaming rule books. And a long time ago, we reviewed the player's handbook for Dungeons & Dragons. Just to make the point that it's a book as well as a you know as well as a set of rules. This is the Chicks Dig Gaming, uh, edited by Jennifer Brozek, Robert Smith question mark and Lars Pearson. That's Robert Smith, not Robert Smith, but Robert Smith because there's a question mark at the end of his name. Uh, and Lars Pearson, clearly not. Um, apparently, they were staunchly feminist editor or some such, which is interesting. Um, Yes, and they've, they've all edited all sorts of Doctor Who various bits and pieces. Um, the, um, Jennifer Brozak, you'll probably know the name from various gaming supplements like Dragonlands, Colonial Gothic, Shadowrun, Serenity, Savage Worlds, oh. even a whole load of White Wolf stuff. She did the Nellis Academy incident for Battletech, if you remember Battletech. So, you know, it's a, it's a good selection of editors. And then this is part of a series as well. Uh, Mad Norwegian Press, with a small press publisher who did this, have done Chick Stig Time Lords, which we really liked, which was um, put together by, I believe it was Alan Miles, um, and also Weed Nisters, which is a similar sort of idea. Yeah. So you get a bunch of people to write about one topic. Now, the the gimmick, and it really saddens me that it's a, it, it, you know, I have to, I'm using the word gimmick, is that it's all female voices. 
Now, in the real, you know, in the, the ideal world, that shouldn't be remarkable. You know, there's plenty of books about gaming that are all written all solely by men. Mm-hmm. So the fact that the, a book about gaming is solely written by women shouldn't be a special thing. But it is. And, you know, let's just get that out of the way. It's an unusual thing. It shouldn't be. And hopefully in, you know, a couple of years' time... It won't be. It won't be. But right now, it, it stands out. Um, it's a real mixed bag. I desperately wanted this to be a brilliantly put-together set of essays. And you can tell it's got four editors. Because mm. there's four different voices. And the thing with gaming is gaming is really, really, really a broad church. And what they've mostly concentrated on is they've concentrated on tabletop gaming, LARP, video gaming, casual gaming. So they haven't concentrated on anything. They've tried to tried to get everything. It's more like a... Like a Big scattershot approach. Yeah, it's like a, a very broad overview as opposed to a an essay about... There's not... Yeah, the, the, at no point has someone gone, we want essays on these specific subjects, here are your assignments, mm. and then tried to create a, like a, a flowing theme. What they've done is they've, they've just said, right, we want... We want essays on, on games that like games. Yeah, if if you if you're a girl who games, please write us an essay. Right. Which which is fine, but it does mean that the entire book is a bit inconsistent. Mm. Um, some of these are brilliant. Some of these aren't as brilliant. Some of them you read and you go, I want this to be longer. Some of them you read and you go, Well, well, why what? <laughs> why have you? Um, a good example. Um, Fiona Moore, who we really like, we've interviewed on the show before. She is an excellent geek academic. She writes uh, astounding stuff. Uh, she's very insightful. Um, uh, a chick who doesn't dig games plays Portal by Fiona Moore. It's a nice essay. Um, there's not a single point about Portal that I agree with her on, hmm. but it's nice to see her perspective. Mm. And but it also feels like it's kind of doesn't quite fit with the flow of the rest of it because a lot of this is evangelising about gaming versus this is one person who goes yeah Portal feels gender neutral to me and I'm sitting there going Portal doesn't feel gender neutral to me mm. but then then again I mean it's it's impressions like you say it's all very very personal when you're writing an essay uh, it's hard to remain sort of separate from from what your personal views are uh, as opposed to trying to be neutral and just giving a, a a view of the thing it's not the thing it's how i see the thing one of the things i found very useful actually speaking as a guy who games and speaking as someone who pretty much is part of the demographic that a lot of games you know, they're trying to sell to me these products are made for me um and that shouldn't be the case and that's not fair mm. but I'm aware, you know, I'm aware that there is a problem. Um, one of the things I, I've noticed is a lot of the things, one of the common themes, even though there aren't actually any curated themes, you do start to pick up similar stories because mm. what you've got is lots of different experiences. So, for example, one of the things I notice is that a lot of the women who are writing this are saying, yeah, we wanted to get into tabletop gaming. We were intimidated by all of the guys, so we went online and it was easier because oh, okay. we were less intimidated because we had, you know, because... You know, when you're when you're online, nobody knows that you're actually a buddy rabbit with a pencil. You know, it's yeah, it, it's that sort of a thing. And that on the one hand, I was like, well, good for you that you're gaming and that you're you're getting on with it. But on the other hand, that makes me really sad that 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 the world See, is I'm, like I'm that. I'm obviously a blessed person because I was introduced and invited by friends to go and tabletop and and tabletop RP as well, and and then LARP. Um, as well um, and 
it was a mixed group, so we had girls and boys, and it was to me it was never a oh this is obviously a thing for boys. It was like oh I, I I like this. This is this is I like this game stuff. Um, so I, obviously I, my my experience is completely different. It is overwhelmingly positive in mm. many places. A lot of this stuff is written by uh, women who design video games or design tabletop games. Mm. There's some great little interviews with some really prominent games designers in there. There's a great one of Margaret Rees. Um, some of it you just sit there and you go, uh, why? Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's a really there's a really good one that talks about a kind of a Why the Last Man style LARP that was run in the States. Mm. Um, all women, all, all, all lady LARP uh, in the Nordic, Nordic style. So you know, they do briefing exercises and they have a briefing and mm. they get into role and then they, they perform their, their roles and they spend the next 48 hours living the role mm-hmm. and then they have a debriefing and they you know there's aftercare so they can go back to work the following day sort of thing. Um, and that sounded brilliant. It sounded really, really good. And it was like, there's a version for women only and there's a version for men and women. And I'm like, I want to play one of those. Well, obviously, I want to play the one that's for mixed gender. Um, Why? Because I'd be fascinated. I like Nordic law, and I'd be fascinated mm. to see how it works. And I wouldn't be allowed to go to the old girl one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, there's, it's it really is a mixed bag. So, I mean, I there's, mean there's, 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 for example, there's a wonderful, wonderful description of uh, when the stars are right, which describes horror and Arkham horror and the mechanics of Arkham horror. There's a great thing about writing games with uh, from a female perspective, but with a male perspective in mind. For example, and then there's just rambles about gaming, uh, where people just you know talk about the games that they've done. Um, the, the one by Sheena Maguire, where she basically just talks about herself. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when 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 you say to me, uh, chicks dig gaming. This is a collection of essays. My my fluttering heart sort of hopes for something thought provoking, something that's gonna you know. I read it and I'll stop. And whether I'm a, a um, whether I identify as female, male, or any any other gender fluid specification, that I'll go. Ah, Some of these- I want to think about this a little bit more. Some of those essays certainly are very thought-provoking. Not all of them are. It's a very mixed bag. Mm. But the thing is, because gaming is such a broad church, I think if I was to go through this and highlight mm. the, the five or six essays that really made me think about stuff, and then I'd give it to you and read it, I think you'd highlight five or six different essays. Mm. I think because people's life experiences are so different, yes. this is this does not feel like one voice. It feels like lots of voices all shouting at once. So maybe something that will appeal to everyone as opposed to a curated thing that maybe might only reach a small percentage. It will entertain everyone on a lower level than it could have entertained a sort of more specific group at a higher level. Mm. I think it's fair to say they've, they've they've gone for as many people as possible. Um, but it does feel it does feel undisciplined. Mm. If you see what I mean, it feels just like, it just feels like a collection of essays. It doesn't feel like it's been curated in any way, shape, or form. Um, so yes, so that is Chicks Dig Gaming, uh, edited by Jennifer Jennifer Brozek, Robert Smith, and Lars Pearson, and that's on Mad Norwegian Press, and you can get it then. the world 24 hours a day
So we were lucky enough to talk to Cecil Baldwin because there is a Welcome to Night Vale book coming out. And if you don't know what Welcome to Night Vale is, then you should find out. So listen to the interview and see what happens. This is Fab Radio International. Cecil Baldwin, welcome to the Bookworm. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, what can you tell us about the Welcome to Night Vale book? Yes, uh, there's a novel that is coming out in October. Um, it's really great. It, uh, I've, I've read it a couple of times. Uh, it's by Joseph Fink and Jeffrey Craner, of course. Um, it is a lot of your favorite characters from the podcast make an appearance in the novel. Um, although the novel kind of centers around uh, uh, three new characters that you've not really met in the podcast. And the idea is that this novel should be able to stand alone. Uh, you should be able to pick it up, whether you've never heard of Nightville before at all, or whether you've listened to all 70, 80 episodes that we've uh, created of the podcast. Um, and in both of those uh, situations, you should be able to enjoy the novel. It's really great. It's funny. It's scary. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of... Uh, heartwarming in places, um, and it's just a really fun adventure. Um, yeah, highly recommend. How much is Cecil from Welcome to Nightville like Cecil in real life? Um, you know, there, there's, there's slight differences. I, I mean, it's, it's not too far off the mark. Uh, um, just, you know, I, I find that the best acting is when you bring yourself to the, to the character. Um, so a lot of times when I get a script and, and I, uh, kind of read the lines, um, I kind of bring myself to that and, and I react the way I would react in that situation. Now, obviously, you know, that's not appropriate all the time. Um, so I, I would say uh, uh, Cecil Palmer, the, the character, is uh, more optimistic and a little more um, willing to accept things the way they are and I, I think I'm a little bit more cynical and, and oftentimes a little more questioning. Um, you know, if I lived in a, in a town where, you know, the, the, the sort of city council is the sort of horrible eldritch abomination that, you know, could eat people at any moment, I, I would, you know, probably question my place in that town a little more than Cecil, than Cecil Palmer, the character, does. Um, but yeah, I, I like to think that uh, Cecil, the character, is a Hufflepuff, and I am a Slytherin. How familiar were you with Creepy Horror before you started at Night Vale? I was, I was actually quite familiar with it. Um, I've been a horror fan for my entire adult life. Uh, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I used to watch a lot of horror movies. Uh, in, here in the U.S., they have, um, there's a network that did sort of late-night cult movies uh, on the weekends uh, called Up All Night. And it was hosted by Gilbert Gottfried or Rhonda Shear. And they just pulled out just the worst, terrible, bad, you know, B movies. Um, and I was and I was in love with that when I was a teenager. And, uh, you know, and then as I got older, I kind of, you know, um, you know, was exposed to, you know, uh, and of course, I read like Stephen King and things like that. And then when I got older, I kind of got exposed to more H.P. Lovecraft and, um you know, I kind of branched out in the horror movies and my taste got a little more sophisticated. And, you know, I, I, I kind of fell in love with David Lynch and David Cronenberg and um, the sort of Italian horror filmmakers like Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento and, you know, uh, people like that. Um, 
so I, you know, I've been a fan of this sort of, you know, all the different kinds of, uh, um, you know, suspense or horror. Uh, I, I, I was pretty familiar with it. So when Joseph brought me the pilot script, the very first script, um, not only did I get the humor of it, uh, which is something very subtle and very dry, um, but I also understood the the, the spookiness of it, the, the the creepiness that is sort of inherent in this uh, man at a microphone broadcasting a radio show out into the unknown. Um, and you know, very early on, Joseph and Jeffrey and I talked about that sort of creepiness, that sort of existential creepiness of. Cecil's dilemma, whether he, he, he's never quite sure if, if there are other people out there in the world because he seems to be stuck inside this radio studio all the time um, and just how creepy that alone can be. What is the appeal of horror? Well, I think we, we like to test ourselves. Um, it, it's a way for humanity to, to uh, confront our darkest fears. Uh, in a safe environment. You know, when you go camping and, you know, it's the end of the night and you're sitting around the campfire and you're telling ghost stories, it's a way for you to sort of sort of see what you're made of and test your mettle um, because it's, uh, it, it's a way to say, what if I was confronted by, you know, a, a, a maniac wielding a knife? What if I was you know, suddenly aliens came down and I was abducted and taken to a foreign place that I had never been to before. Would I be able to survive? Would I be able to make it? Would I, you know, be able to get through it? Um, I, I find that, uh, um, I can't remember who said it, but uh, I, I want to say it was maybe Wes Craven even uh, said that, that horror movies are like a, a, a testing ground for the teenage soul. Um, and that's, you know, specifically talking about sort of like horror films. Uh, but it's, it's a way for, it's, you know, horror movies, uh, books, things like that are a way for us to, to sort of uh, see what we're made of and, and go, if I was in that situation, what would I do? Um, and I think, you know, people like that and uh, they, they want to be challenged and they want to be, uh, you know, kind of put in that situation in theory. Um, and there's something very intimate about radio, uh, you know, like I, I find that there, there's something almost even more intimate about radio than there is about reading a book or um, watching a film because you're forming the images in your brain while a person is speaking to you. And, you know, you don't know what that person looks like on, you know, on the other end of the radio dial. But you you have this image, and, and it's like they're talking directly to you. So I think when that intimacy combined with the uh, the sort of challenge of you know if I was living in a crazy town where one day you know oranges or orange juice started you know turning into like monsters, what would I do? How would I react? Um, and I think that's something very appealing. Um, and, you know, it kind of got people hooked. And I think that's why a lot of our listeners keep coming back is because they've formed this familiar relationship with Cecil Palmer and they they want to see if they can exist in this world that he exists in. What is the secret of Mightville's success? It's a very good question. I mean, it's it was actually, it was very surprising when we started becoming more and more popular. I, I think uh, probably two reasons um, that I can think of, which are the fact that uh, 
a lot of our fan base grew over Tumblr, which I'm, you know, I don't know that much about the demographics of Tumblr at all, but I, I do know that like a lot of kind of, you know, teenagers use Tumblr, uh, I think more than, uh, uh, you know, kind of like 20, 30, 40 somethings. Um, and I think that was, you know, kind of the beginning of that. Uh, I think also, you know, teenagers just have a tendency to latch on to a, a, a project like a TV or a, sh- a show or a book or even a character. And, and they kind of like really invest themselves in that project. Um, now, uh, I, I also think that uh, the show appeals to teenagers in a very specific way because it is very sincere. Um, it, it is, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I feel like we're living in a world where everything is kind of tinged with sarcasm and eye rolling and, uh, and, and here, you know, and, and, and nobody can really trust the media, you know, like we watch reality TV and we know it's not real, but we kind of believe that it is real. And, and that's kind of the norm, you know, we watch, you know, movies that are, you know, sort of taken on a shaky, you know, handy cam. And we're like, we know that this is a fiction, but it's made to look real. And I think there is something about Night Vale, which is very sincere in its emotional honesty. Um, it's not sugarcoating the world. Like we, you know, on the show, we, we talk about, you know, a lot of really heavy, heavy stuff. Like, you know, deaths and, uh, you know, breaking up and, and losing your one true love and, you know, all this sort of business. And, but we do it in a way that is neither, uh, talking down to the audience and is also, um, kind of hopeful at the same time. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I think, uh, you know, the sort of teenagers who are kind of used to, you know, growing up with the Kardashians as, you know, kind of the background noise, you know, I think this is a very honest and, uh, just refreshing take on the world that we live in. And I think uh, a lot of, you know, like a lot of kids kind of responded to that. What do you have planned next? Um, well, Night Vale is still going. Uh, we, we're not planning on stopping anytime soon. Uh, um, I mean, I do work on other projects. Uh, you know, currently I, um, I work with a bunch of uh, writers out of San Francisco. Uh, when they're on the East Coast here in New York, uh, they, they, uh, we do an evening called Shipwreck, where um, a bunch of writers get together and they pick a famous novel and they write erotic fan fiction uh, about the characters in that novel. And I read them aloud in front of a live audience and um, the audience votes for which is their favorite. That's always a really fun time. Um, I work with a theater company here in New York called the Neo Futurists, uh, which is very fulfilling and, you know, sort of ongoing uh, project of mine. Um, And then, you know, I just try to, audition for whatever I can get my hands on and, you know, hopefully something fun will turn up soon. Would you like to do voice work for anyone else? Uh, I would love to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I would love to do uh, cartoon anime character voices. Uh, a lot of that is shot out in LA. Like that's where they hire a lot of those voice actors from. 
but maybe someday I'll end up uh, getting into that game as well. I mean, I just recently did uh, a voice for a character on uh, Gravity Falls on Disney XD uh, called Tad Strange. Uh, it's a, kind of a popular TV show over here. Um, hopefully, they'll ask me back sometime soon. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I would love to do it again. Which episodes of Night Vale scared you personally? It scared me personally. Um, I'm trying to think of a plot line that is, I, I don't know, I think Cassette was probably pretty creepy to me. Um, you know, I think there's something very spooky about uh, the idea of finding old cassette tapes of you as a child that you don't remember making. And then, you know, over the course of the episode, you realize that this sort of younger you is in grave danger. Um, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. And obviously, you don't remember it happening, so you have to wonder, who who is it that this danger is happening to? Was that you? Was it somebody else? Is it a part of you that you blocked out? Yeah, I thought that was pretty creepy, and that one's kind of stuck with me for a while. You, and only you, can save one book that will survive until the sun dies. What book would that be? Um, one book. Um, that's a tough one, because I would imagine I'd want it to be, you know, quite a large book. Uh, you know, if I was only allowed one. Um, I would probably go with, you know, go with the classics. Go with the complete works of William Shakespeare. You know, that's always good. The Simpsons or Futurama? Uh, Simpsons or Futurama? Um, I would say Simpsons. Dario Argento or Stephen King? Uh, Dario Argento. Truth or beauty? Truth or beauty? Um, well, uh, you know, let's go beauty. I'm a pretty shallow person, and the truth hurts sometimes, so let's stick with this. Let's, I'd rather be pretty. Cecil Baldwin, thank you very much for your time. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. This is Fab Radio International. And that was our interview with Cecil Baldwin. And very shortly after that interview, there was a very special advert played for people who only have very special magical ears who can hear it. Everyone, the rest of you would have just heard silence. Because it was silence. But if you were a resident of Nightville, <laughs> you would have heard an advert for products only exclusively available in Nightville. Cthulhu! Honest. <laughs> so welcome back. This is the Bookworm and Fab Radio International. Uh, and obviously that was just aired talking about Cthulhu-esque things. Well, um, talking to Cecil Baldwin, who's, who, I, I, when I was interviewing Cecil, actually... His was, voice is so amazing. I, I melted. I was just melting around <laughs> the microphone. It's just like, whoa. What a, what a lovely... Just keep talking, dude. What a lovely man. What a very, very nice man. <laughs> anyway, you have a book there. I have... No, I have a manga. Ah, okay. <clears throat> no, it, it, it's a book. It's a manga. Woohoo. Uh, yes, so I'm, I'm a big fan of the Beautiful Creatures series. So there's there's four books of the main um, storyline and then there's a spin-off series as well in the same world. So the first book is Beautiful Creatures and it's Beautiful Darkness, Beautiful Chaos and Beautiful Redemption. And this is kind of the series that made it okay for me to like young adult again because I got to a point of saturation where I was like, 
oh, I cannot read any more of. Oh my God, it's so dark and broody. He is obviously the love of my life. What am I going to do? And I'm so special now. I didn't know I was, but I'm obviously really special. So I got to a point where where that kind of line was like, I, I can't read any more of this. And and it really saddened me because I absolutely adore young adult as a genre. There's just so many great ideas about it. Um, so when when I stumbled upon beautiful creatures, I was like. <laughs> Oh my goodness! There is still good stuff out there, and I mean, not not the least of it was the fact that it was from the boys' point of view, which to me was really exciting. I'm like, yay! It's not a heroine. The boys have a voice as well. Um, so, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, literally just shopping in these wonderful things that is the Works, uh, which is a little. Um, shop that sells art stuff and books and like prices are incredibly accessible and 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 i saw the manga version of beautiful creatures and i was dead excited so my best friend went yeah i'll buy that for you and i was like Uh, and i read it the same day because i was really excited about it is it a westernized manga so do you read it the right way around that you do you read it the 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 normal way that you would if you were from from western the, countries. The western way so it's not a start from the end and read it sort of the other way around. You see what I did the there? Was made, I made a left right orientation joke and then got it wrong. And uh, yes, I want to punch you, but I love you too <laughs> much. Um, so yeah, you 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 read it as you would normally read a book over here, um, and obviously the 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 storyline is by Cami Garcia and Margaret Stoll, who wrote the original series, and the artist by Cassandra Jean, and she's so talented. Like it's so pretty, Ed. It's so completely pretty and adorable. Um, and and it reminds me a little bit of Emma Vicelli's work. I was just I'm just looking at it and thinking that gives Emma Vicelli a run for yes, her money. Yes, the, there's there's a very distinct vibe, and we've had Emma on our show, and she's completely lovely and completely talented. And you know she's doing the gem and the hologram stuff now. That's how incredibly exciting is that's that? That's truly outrageous. I know, I love it. Um, it's so it's so cool. Uh, but yeah, the 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 manga is is <coughs> basically the first first book um and it's um it's um sort of the the, the follows the book completely uh, and and very perfectly sort of chapter by chapter um it's it's really pretty like i really love it and um the characters are all very well distinguished i mean sometimes my issue with manga is apart from changing the hairstyle like the faces tend to look a bit samey, uh, but actually th- this is really well done, and and the characteristics are really uh, well marked for all, all of the main characters. Um, the the story, as I said, is really faithful. So if if you've not read Beautiful Creatures, is the story of Ethan, a boy um, from from um, sort of the the southern America. Um, um and and he's um and it's beautiful because there's that southern drawl is is all throughout the characters as they talk and you kind of hear it so what is the plot because you're saying he, it's unlike a normal young novel so it i mean there is there are elements there so it it he, he this is a, a boy that has dreams he lives in this tiny little village where nothing happens and he can't wait to get out and he loves reading even though he he can look as the stereotypical jock he actually has a brain um so he loves reading and and wants to go away to university and and become more 
than than what he is in this tiny little town. Um, and then he starts having dreams about this faceless girl. He, he can't he quite can't quite see her face in the dreams, but whenever he wakes up. He's always like dirty as if he's like rolled through mud and, and, and weird things are happening until um, a new girl arrives in town called Lena, Lena Duquesne, and, uh, and his life changes. He realises this is the girl of his dreams, like quite literally. literally. <laughs> um, and, and they have a, some sort of common destiny. Um, very early in the book, so it's not a spoiler, you... you um, discover that Lena is a, a caster, so she she's technically what we would call a witch, and um, her family is a family of casters, and and um, there is a whole world that's sort of running with ours, uh, hidden, um, with dark and light casters battling it out for magic. Hmm. It's really, really, really good. Um, I, I love the plot of, of the books, and, and the whole of the it's not a trilogy. There's four of them, um, and there's there's all these different types of I say creatures, but it's casters, and depending on what your powers are, you get um, a a definition. So, for example, we have the siren who basically charms everyone, and they tend to be dark casters. There are incubus that can sort of feed off your darker dreams, and and um, there's there's oh there's just so much um from the first book which sets up the story then you then move on to the other books that slowly sort of expand this this massive world that that uh Cami garcia margaret still have created uh and the, the 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 first book beautiful creatures as a manga works really well so how does the art leverage the story over the actual written version of the story um, it's quite faithful, and it, as I said, it follows it sort of chapter by chapter. You don't. There's a, a couple of things that have been cut out, obviously, because of otherwise it would be like 500 pages of manga uh, if you kept if you kept to the thing. But but I think because the authors were so obviously involved in in making this happen, uh, it's kept a lot of the original lines that you read throughout the book. Um, do the pictures tell the story as effectively as the dialogue, though? Because it tends to be a problem with novel adaptations. I think so. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it, and I found myself thinking, oh, it, it, I, I remembered the same sort of sensations that I had while I was reading the book sort of were evoked by the pictures as I was reading the manga. So that was quite pleasing. And they've got, like, little little details, like um, at one point you've got the Duquesne and Ravenwood, Ravenwood family tree um, sort of there in the pictures for you to refer to. Um, and the, the sort of the, the story, because there's flashbacks to a different time and stuff, um, that's really well done as well. I, I think they did a fantastic job of it. Um, and, and it's 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 quite interesting to then compare it to the movie as well because there's a movie of beautiful creatures too that unfortunately well i say unfortunately it it, ch- it changes and sort of goes into a different finale probably because they realized that they wouldn't get the funding to do all of the four pictures which is a real shame um but yeah and and one of the things i love the most are, you know how you get sort of the cover art um to sort of introduce every chapter in mangas uh, and you have those special panels that is just pretty 
pretty drawings uh, and there's one with the 16 moon song there's this sort of song that keeps coming up on the ipod uh, and it's a magic song uh, and that's in one of the panels you get the whole the whole song with with ethan um looking very broody and, and oh i love it so you'd recommend it then i would i would i mean in the works is stupidly cheap as well so uh who's it by and so this is beautiful creatures the manga uh, story by cami garcia and margaret stoll and the artist by cassandra jean if you enjoy the work of emma viacelli is one that you will really love and who are the publisher um this is published by penguin <laughs> the world 24 hours a day this is Fab Radio International so um, the theme has been ladies it has indeed been ladies yeah because you know Ladies who write write great young adult books, and ladies who illustrate manga written by ladies who write great young adult books. You see, we, we just, <laughs> I know I won this. <laughs> we were just saying in the in the break that the, the, I think the thing with chicks day gaming is apart from the you know apart from our pet postal, um, I don't know any chicks. I know women. I know ladies. <laughs> I am not poultry. But I can I can see why you would use that as a marketing thing, and I can see why you would use that as a marketing approach. Uh, I think I it was it. tried try they tried to be sort of ironic about it, a bit sarcastic. Oh, chicks dig! But actually, I I I honestly I would not pick that book up if I read that. It, I would find it a bit irking. I, Sam Mags is in here. Sam Mags has has written an essay in here. Sam Maggs also wrote um, The Fangirl's Guide to Geekdom, oh. which we adored. I mean, that was such such a good book. And it's the same sort of, you know, it's tongue-in-cheek, it's kind of, it's yeah. fun. It's a bit American, but, you know, that... We if, liked it, but we felt that there was a lot of other things it could have had in it, and some of yeah. them weren't in it, so. True, but if I was, you know, if, if I had, if there was a, a, a young, young, you know, a tween in my life, um, that I wanted to, who was starting to be quite geeky and wanted more to know more. I, I'd, I'd throw them in the direction of Sam Max, or indeed uh, give them a beautiful creatures manga. Yes, yes, I, you I, should. I wouldn't necessarily give them chickstick gaming, but as a as a you know as a forty-something male who's fascinated with gaming essays, I enjoyed it. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I could go past that and probably, you know, start reading the back and or or hear your review, I would probably go. Mm, actually, that could be really interesting to read. But as a first impression, if I went past it in a in a bookstore, that would make me a little sad. Because there's already too many barriers in the world. Mm, we need to yeah, we don't down. really. No, we don't. We don't need to perpetrate it. Is my thing. Producer Al's making that hand gesture thing. I think we have to go. <laughs> oh, 
Across the world, the real alternative. FabRadioInternational.com I have been your host, Ed Fortune. And I have been your hostess, Nympha Hayes. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab, Radio International and Starburst magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune and Nympha Hayes, produced by A.L. Johnson.